What'd you see? We have a guy that used to run our warehouse, mm-hmm. and he retired about two, three months ago. Okay. And he's genuinely like one of the coolest old guys you'll ever meet. Um, I like the qualifier put in front of it. What qualifier? He's just yeah, a he's cool a, old guy. <laughs> one of the coolest old guys that you'll ever meet. Well, he's definitely old. Like, if we're he's talking about cool guys, he's in the lower tier. But as soon as you, <laughs> as you talk about those oh, old guys, men. He's a cool guy that happens to be old. That's what I mean. Anyway, <laughs> he just sent out. Matt and Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> he just sent out a text to me and looks like four other of the technicians out of like 12 or 15 texts that we have. And he just said, if you get this message, you are one of the few people that I miss. I am really enjoying retirement and I have no plans to work again, but I do miss seeing you guys. Thanks for your friendship over the last few years. Wow. Must be nice. That's cool. I really like that. He's a nice guy. That's really nice. I miss him. He was the guy that we saw every single morning. He handed us all of our parts for all of our jobs and talked to us and hung out with us for 20 minutes every morning. That's On that cute. very uplifting note, uh, welcome to episode Nintendo 64. Yes! Most <laughs> magical episode of the year. Oh, man. One episode until retirement. So that actually, yeah. uh, <laughs> that matches really well. That's, th- yeah. That works. I love did that. Did I say it was off the crossbar or did I just say episode Nintendo 64? I can't remember it's off now. the crossbar. A real <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I don't remember if you said off the crossbar, but you definitely said episode Nintendo 64. Yeah, if I were braver, I would scream it like that kid in that video. Oh, Nintendo 64. Yes. Yeah. But alas. No, I'm not that brave. That's too bad. I know. Once again, my lack of bravery has cost <laughs> us a magical moment on the podcast. <laughs> so real quick, I got to check with you guys on something. Sure. You're so this is stupid. We've been dealing with microphone issues for the last 30 minutes. Feels like my lines aren't moving. Does that matter? Yeah, oh. they're moving for me. You're good. Okay. Okay. I, I just realized I actually opened two windows for this thing and oh. I just closed the extra one. Oh, good. Well, That's you're fine. still here, so yeah. no, I, I don't have any moving lines. We're doing so great. Whatever. As long yeah. as as long as you can hear me and my microphone works now. And we can see you in your slab pizza shirt. Oh, it's wait. one of my favorite shirts. Which one slab pizza? Is that the one in by like on campus? On BYU it's campus? Just off of campus. Like it's by, on... G- by the original J Dogs. Is that where that is? Yeah, it's very close uh, to the original J Dogs. Yes. It's With on like parking. Eighth North and Boy. The sixth east? Seventh yeah, east? The battle used there. to be to get a J Dog, you know? Really, times have really changed with J Dog accessibility. You can get them. They got them everywhere now. They got uh, they got storefronts and oh, that's true. At, at any place, any time. Rio Tinto Stadium. That's right. Yeah, and finally. it used to be you'd have to go to way the heck onto BYU campus in order to snag one of those delightful weenies. But yeah, now, like all of five minutes away. It's really hey, rough for for you. <laughs> for those of us who don't live in Provo, it was, yeah, it was well, a struggle. Yeah. I am happy to report that Slab Pizza does have gluten-free options. Nice. And uh, it's not bad. It's I did order good. thinking like, oh, I'm getting, like doing the Slab thing. So I'll order like two different things. 
I got two pizzas, like two full pizzas. You got two full pizzas? But they were like $9 a piece is all. So it was like paying for one normal size or oh. small gluten-free pizza in the end. Okay. Wait, you got, hang on. Sorry. You got two slabs or two full pizzas? Two full pizzas. Because they only do like one size of pizza and it is not like 24 free, inches. Probably. Yeah. The gluten-free ones are oh, not. They do like gluten-free, like a little personal size. Yeah, it's probably 10 inch. That okay. You know what? Now that I think about that, that makes a lot more sense than <laughs> I'm just a regular the business model. Gluten-free pizzas are just a different size depending yeah. on where you go. Like they don't fit the standard size of, of like most places that you get pizza from. They're usually just a different size. Well, no, because like the whole thing of slab pizza is like you place your order for whatever slab you want and then the next three people that order all of them get made on the same like pizza and then they just cut it up and divvy it up into four slabs yeah four I'm, I, i'm not very familiar with uh slab pizza but i i like how many times we've said slab i think that's nice hopefully they'll sponsor us now that we've said their name a bunch dude that'd be dope they could For give me. us i don't know how much you guys would get out of it but i would love to be sponsored by slab pizza my happiness is your happiness, Trevor. That's right. Or maybe your happiness is my happiness. Maybe that's the way to word it. Yep. I think yeah. that, that's what you meant. That's, that's probably better. <laughs> if I'm uh, happy, you're happy. If I'm not happy, you're not happy. So. Yeah. This is true. I think I just decided what I'm doing for dinner tonight. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Yeah. It's a fantastic idea. I don't know what I'm going to have for dinner. What time is it? So, yeah, it's pretty close to dinner time. Yeah, I prepped everything before we started recording, so. That's nice. And I roast some veggies and got a squash from the garden. I sort of think it might have, it's a summer squash, but I think it might have hybridized with like a gourd that was nearby. (laughs) Because it's it's like a yellow, (laughs) one of those yelly, yelly, yellow, bumpy, crookneck squash. Oh, Um, interesting. But instead of being like crookneck, it's... Uh, shaped closer to like a like a really fat zucchini or something oh, and the okay. skin was a little hard and then the raw squash tasted a little more pumpkin-y so we'll see what happens when i cook this thing but interesting okay and i'm starting my uh i guess why don't we just do social hour i'm let's do my it. other update is that i'm starting my first hot sauce of the year and probably second Ooh. third so uh if you well, guys that's are exciting good, for me yeah. I do love I will, hot sauce. I will have some hot sauce for you guys. I love that. Kyle, how hot do you go? <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question. I mean, I feel like I like a normal amount of, of hot, of spiciness, okay. but I've been to Thai restaurants with you, and I feel like your barometer for spice is, is very extreme. Yeah, it is. I feel like so, I'm just like a normal, oh, yeah, I like I like spicy, but like not to your level, that's for sure. Okay, good to know. Like, I think, like, if I get medium at Channon, I'm like, ooh, this has a nice little spice to it. But you're getting the the maxed out version and you're like, can you do this more? So. That's true. Yeah. So I, I'm, I don't know. I feel like I have a normal amount in my okay. palate. When Good. you order Cup Bop, what number do you give them? I don't go to Cup Bop. Oh, jeez. Okay. They well, don't like, aren't very gluten-free friendly. Yeah, really? it, they. It depends oh, on like, when when you go and 
all that because they've told me all sorts of different things. It's yeah. very disconcerting. It's not even it's not even the fact that they definitionally aren't because they they could be like they use a lot of rice noodles. They use like other stuff. Um, it's just very confusing. I've gotten the same thing too because like my work has gotten it catered before, like in years past, and I've like asked them there, and they're like, um, I don't know, maybe. I was like, okay, well, that's okay. <laughs> Thank yeah, the downtown you. one's a little better. Where's the if you ever end up there? The downtown one. It's over by the old Real Salt Lake Team Store. Oh right, yes, okay, yeah, by uh, on Broadway by Spitz. Yep. Yes. Right Spitz. Okay. Cool. Well, maybe I'll go there at some point. I always forget that noodles. Like well, noodles and, and gluten, like I forget that that's yeah. like obviously a thing. Yeah. So actually, their noodles are they they have their rice noodles, but they also sometimes do like a sweet potato noodle. Yeah, it's gluten free, and those are okay. fantastic when you can get Interesting. them. Interesting. Okay. Now they do sometimes season them with soy sauce, in which case they don't work. But if you just buy sweet potato noodles and cook them at home, you will have a great time. Yeah, I recently wait. Did I just have sweet potato noodles? I feel like I just had sweet potato something gluten free, and it was very nice. I really big sweet potato guy, big fan. But yeah, uh, so Matt, hot sauce socially, squash yeah. socially. What else? Yeah. What else is going on? Uh, not a whole lot. I'm hoping to get uh, lunch with some friends tomorrow, maybe. That would be very nice. We will Me see. too, actually. Yeah. And one of them's a tentative, maybe. Yeah, we'll see what happens with my doctor's appointment. I don't know how long it's going to last. So we shall see. Well, for the record, I'm available like whenever. As long as you guys let me know, I can leave and go whenever. So I'm not like on a time crunch. Cool. Other than that, I don't don't really have much to add today. Trevor, what's going on with you? I also don't really have much to add today. Um, No. No, I, I really don't. Okay. <laughs> well, I was going to tell a story, but in, it involves some stuff that I don't really want to talk about right now. So never mind. Hey, man, that's <laughs> that's your prerogative. Okay. So the first thing I want to mention is that I was, I did, I didn't know if Matt was going to mention this for his, but um, Dunny and RSL were kind enough to invite the three of us, but Trevor couldn't make it to Dunny's. Uh, the giveaway contest thing that Dunny did that was like it was called like RSL Fantasy Camp or whatever um, we went to the first day of it which was at the stadium and we did a bunch of like uh, stuff we did a bunch of like drills and played some like mini games whatever on the stadium field with a bunch of other people who uh, won the contest i don't really I, I don't know how they won i don't know what went into that but um it was great they had like the whole like rsl digital team out there doing photos and videos of everyone um leo the lion was there but like the actual like some of the team coaches and trainers were out there training us making us do drills and it was it was a good time i had, I had, a, I had a blast matt did you have a great time as well yeah, I was sore for like three days after because uh, the <laughs> pandemic has taken away indoor soccer for me most of the time. And uh, that was the only thing keeping me even remotely close to fit. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah, it was a, an eye-opening excursion, but it was yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, got uh, We had uh, Etiandro Tavares 
uh, training us, which was uh, fun. Former Real Monarchs player. That's right. Yeah. Very yeah. fast. It was great. So uh, thank you to Brian Dunseth and to RSL for having us because it was it was very nice. Um, so that was one thing last week. And then I did mention that I was maybe going to go up to Wyoming and Idaho, which I did do. And it was very nice. It was very folly and beautiful. And uh, Grand Teton National Park was very um it was very pretty and just uh, a good time with friends and coincidentally it was also up there the same weekend they were looking for that missing girl and they found her body the same day that we were there or wait i guess that would have been the day after we were there um which is heartbreaking but yeah i i was expecting to kind of see stuff going on there but i did not i saw a couple missing persons posters but yeah i was expecting to see a bunch of uh, internet sleuths putting their uh physical bodies to where their typing mouths are because uh they sure seemed like they wanted to solve the case but i didn't see any of them out in the out in the wild i just saw people enjoying the natural wonders that are the national park but yeah so that was nice um watched the rsl game from my phone while we were there and uh yeah the seattle game that is and then what else? I think that's it for me. Just uh, doing normal Kyle stuff this week, doing work and uh, being part of the AARP. Being part of the AARP, which because of that whole thing, my iMed coverage starts in eight days, and I can get my contacts for free. Which for free meaning my monthly premium, which is like. 17 bucks or something instead of paying for the 350 or 400 dollar contacts i would have had to do otherwise so that was nice that was a nice little I, it feels like a scam but it's like it feels like i scammed the system but i i fleeced them but it i'm pretty sure i did everything just it's all above board you know i talk i talked it all through it feels a little weird how that all worked out but hey we're age 65 next episode so i feel justified and that's uh i think that's it for me i'm just uh happy to be here you know happy to be with my friends trevor and matt hello (laughs) (laughs) trevor you didn't say hello hi hi kyle hello it's good to see you yeah that's that's been a great episode uh (laughs) We'll catch you guys next week. That'd be really nice. What yeah. if we did a 15 minute episode one of these yeah, our days? Fans would love that. All, yeah. all three of our, our fans slash listeners. <laughs> oh, I did. Oh, I should have mentioned this in social hour. I did run into somebody at oh, too late. We already passed. Uh, well. we can't. <laughs> yeah, and it was the ninth and ninth street fair in Salt Lake who listens to the pod. That's and I right. got his name, but I, I might not have got his name. I think it was Bart. If you're listening, hello. Also, if I got your name wrong, I'm very sorry. Tweet at Matt and tell him that your name's not Bart. And yeah. that it's, or that it is Bart. Like it was yeah. Bart. How was the street fair, fair, by the way? It was fun. Yeah. Nice. Had a good time. Okay. Um, well, that's good. Uh, ring an endorsement there as, from Matt Montgomery. Yeah, that's the right. food options were not as plentiful as I would have hoped. Yeah, that's there's how it goes. a nice bookstore over there that does oh, a man. lot of like. Oh, geez, that reminds me. Um, yeah, go. 
Uh, so the, one of the things we did on this trip, um, it was the second to last weekend of the Jackson farmer's market. Um, so we went there on Saturday morning and it's, it's a very good farmer's market. I mean, it's, it's not like, it's not huge. Well, it's, it's in a small space, but there are a lot of vendors. So I, I actually, it's hard for me to figure out how big it is in comparison to the ones here. But anyway, so much good food and vegetables and fruit and coffee and like desserts and whatever. But as someone who does not consume gluten, dairy, soy, other stuff, uh, they have like a weird, a weirdly large amount of, uh, vendors accommodating to my, uh, annoying diet. And I had, like a pumpkin spice coffee cake that was vegan and gluten-free and it was a delightful um the time before that i got muffins from this other guy that were super good um so that was really nice and then the tamales stand they um do these just gigantic fruit cups that like i got this one that was just exclusively mangoes and it was like with like tahini on it and it was like i swear it felt like six full mangoes sliced up and put in this cup like there was just way too much fruit it was so great anyway so in case anyone's listening to this and wants to go for the last weekend it's this upcoming saturday you can make that drive or you can go next year and i will be there next year as well at some point but anyway let's plan for next year okay well that's fair enough So yeah, big fan of the Jackson Farmer's Market. Huge fan, ringing endorsements, lots of options for Matt's and me. And yeah. It's a beautiful thing. It it, it made me feel great. How long does the Salt Lake Farmer's Market, the one that you go to, I don't know which one it's actually called or if it's like the one in Salt Lake. I feel like there's got to be more than one, right? Yeah, there are quite a few. So I go to the downtown Farmer's Market. That's on Saturdays. And that goes to through October. Okay. Um, on Saturdays, there is a Tuesday market uh, through September, uh, which Where I haven't gone to much. At, that's also at Pioneer Park. Oh, okay. Um, I guess it is already September 22nd. I didn't realize that. I was going to yeah. say, it feels like the ones that we talked about oh, way longer than Jackson, but I, I guess really only like one or maybe two more weeks. I was seriously thinking it was end of August right now. I, <laughs> I was looking at something yesterday and... Oh, I was do I was filling out some dates at work and yesterday was September 21st and I entered the date as in it like it wouldn't accept my entry because I was I was setting a date that was August 21st and, it, and I was like there's this is a bug like what's going on here and it wouldn't let me it's like this is it wasn't recognizing and I was like what is happening here it's like August 21st that's today and then it wasn't and then I got you, uh, kind of confused you didn't remember I mean, I, I had already watched Demi's video too. I was just like singing the song. Do you remember? It's the 21st day of August and I'm filling out the sheet and it's great. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was very, it was a very confusing experience for me, but yeah. yeah, Demi's video really, I can see why he's not doing it next year. I don't know how he would top the production value of that one. So, I mean, I feel like I don't, no, but I feel like he's got to be spending money. No, oh, absolutely. Like that whole thing could not have been like 100% charity. Maybe it was. Uh, he he knows totally enough people. Awesome, I think, it, honestly, but, I think it probably was because people are donating. Obviously, he does it for charity. So people are probably helping, like doing like their labor donation to him. Yeah. 
to make that. I, I don't know. I, I could see that happening for free, to be honest. If he's if the whole thing he's doing for charity, I could see him having enough like people that he knows that are willing to do yeah. that for free with him, which is really cool. But yeah, that's the thing. Like, if that's the case, that's incredible. Because if he wanted to do that and like had to pay for it, like that's a lot of money. Yeah, or a silly little five minute YouTube video mm-hmm. that blows up every every year. Yeah, it, I'm I mean, pretty in, in sure past, you see the ones that he did like in his apartment where he just yeah. like puts notes inside the fridge and like behind a curtain <laughs> and like that takes time. And yeah. but it's still all just like one, maybe two people involved. Well, maybe right. more than that, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, very yeah. small crew. But this one had like 20 some odd people and just it was in somebody in else's it. backyard yeah. and it had a whole light show and all kinds of stuff. It was beautiful. That was, that was expensive. Yeah. Um, if you didn't spend a dime on that, that's awesome. Yeah. He was also recently also nominated he... for an Emmy the other day, I think, as oh, well. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. His well, like trajectory I mean, is, 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 has been fun to watch. He's a, it makes sense because he's an incredibly talented. Dude. I know. Yeah. He's cool. I like him. All right. Everything other, he's ever done is really good. Two yeah. other farmers markets to mention. There's one on <laughs> Fridays at Liberty Park oh, and one on right. Sundays at Wheeler Farm. I knew there was a Sunday one. I just couldn't remember where it was. Wheeler Farm. And I think and there are a couple on the south end of the valley, but I try not to go down to Utah County. So there's one in Provo. It's on Saturdays, and I think that it goes to the first or good. second week of uh, October. <laughs> yeah. There's one in Daybreak, Matt. I know you can go to that one if you'd like. <laughs> That's uh, so far away. Yeah, it's not worth it. I'll be yeah. honest. I've, I haven't been to the downtown or any of the ones in Salt Lake, but I promise they're better than the Provo one. Do you want to come to the uh, downtown market on Saturday with me? Um, here's the weird. trick. Yes, like that sounds like a lot of fun, but I have a child who that would not appeal to at all, I don't think. So bring their iPad. I'm sure I could yeah. do some uh, convincing, but. Yeah, you if if it sounds interesting to them. Are there like right. like sweet things like little desserts oh, yeah. and stuff like that? There's plenty of those. Or like breakfast foods? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's breakfast foods, but anyway. Yeah. yeah. If there's something like that, I could probably convince them. Maybe cool. you could come play a board game afterward or something. Ooh, you know what I could do? We I could bring that board game. I I think I told you guys I got a new game that it's called Match Five. Yeah, we were we, we had that conversation yeah. about yeah. it. I think I could bring that. We could play that. That'd be a lot of fun. We have, we have a game Saturday, right? <laughs> yeah, we do. Is that we play Pandemic or it's an away game? Yes, it is. Against hundreds of other board games we've played together. <sighs> oh yeah, should we should we talk about RSL a little bit? Maybe <sighs> I guess we already fooled everyone into thinking the episode was over. So if you've made it this far, congratulations! That's you right. made it to the secret portion of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a couple of news items to talk about uh, first. We got a little more knowledge of the coaching staff uh, hire. Uh, we got confirmation that Real Salt Lake has interviewed Landon Donovan. And Pat Noonan is the other name. Current assistant coach at uh, Philadelphia Union. Former assistant for the men's national team. And uh, what's uh, LA Galaxy under Bruce Arena. Yeah. There are others who have interviewed, I'm sure, but... Pat Noonan is like one of the assistants in the league who's like most likely to get a head coaching job soon. Yeah. Yeah. Like and his name is always floated. 
it's just a matter of time. It just may or may not be for RSL. We'll see. He's like the Robin Frazier, but like five years ago. <sighs> yeah. Don't remind me, man. Uh, second, second news item is that the League's Cup has announced changes, or rather MLS and Liga MX have announced changes to the format of the League's Cup. Uh, it, starting in 2023, it will no longer be a meaningless tournament. There will actually be a meaning well, and value for it. What's the, what's the meaning and value? Okay, so the whole thing got announced, and I, I'll be honest, I looked like at a couple tweets, and that was as deep as I went into it. Yeah. What's so, the what's the meaning and value behind it? Is that yeah. just simply that everybody is participating now, or is it like cash prize or? So I don't know about a cash prize. The big thing is that there will be three entries into CONCACAF Champions League and Ooh. the winner gets a an entry into the round of 16 um, rather than having to go through the group stage. Okay, that's so pretty that's, good. That's a, a big step up from where it's been, where uh, the League's Cup is just a, a money grab. And it's still a money grab and sports is a money grab. So it's mm-hmm. it's par for the course, but at least this one has a a meaningful competitional quality. What is the link between the League's Cup and the Open Cup? Is there a link? No. Okay, so Open Cup, you still get a spot in the Champions League. I assume. Or yeah, are, they taking, are they taking it from anyone or from any other spot or no? You know, I don't I don't remember. I didn't read enough about it to really well and this is the other thing. Like this is all happening in twenty twenty three. So like we've got plenty of time to like actually learn what this thing is. Yeah. But I I read somewhere that it had something to do with Open Cup, and I think it was that Open Cup keeps its birth and League's Cup gets three. And I think that means that like MLS Cup, like only the winner gets in a berth or Maybe not even that. I don't remember. Yeah, we'll find out, I'm sure. Um, but it notably, definitely affects Champions League going into it. Yeah, and notably, every team is in the League's Cup now in both Liga MX and MLS, which Sweet. is good. And there are a lot of teams in MLS, and there will be more by 2023. Yeah. So what's interesting about this, though, is that uh, I think it may – I think – straight up they like both leagues take a break in the middle or maybe it's just mls takes a break in the middle of the season which pointed to some coaches gm saying oh maybe we'd have to start the season earlier uh the season already starts in march like early march uh i don't know if people are familiar with what it's like in oh salt lake oh denver or kansas city even in February, but it's like, I don't know, not a super pleasant time to be playing soccer outside, but you know, I kind of admire the, uh, the guts it takes to do something like this, um, (laughs) to start the season earlier. And it shows an, an interesting amount of foresight into like the state of our climate in two years. (laughs) Um, so, so maybe, uh, actually it's like the, it's like the climate change inflation, essentially. They're, this is just catching up to inflation. Inflation has made it so it's actually, I mean, February is the new March at this point. So it's honestly totally fine and probably a good idea for them to start playing outdoor soccer in February. Uh, yeah. Well, this, is, this is the other part about like starting the season early. Like there's already guys, like teams are training and doing preseason stuff in February. Mm-hmm. 
So now if the season's going to start in February, they're going to have to start doing preseason like Christmas, <laughs> right after New Year's. Yeah. Which Why is, not, dude? <laughs> well, you want great. To everyone's that? everyone's loving it. Everyone's very happy about it. I love it's the first people that they ask about any of this stuff is always the players, right? They always say, "Hey, players, season you guys want to play even more games? Hey." players do you guys want to do the world cup every two years instead of every four years because everyone in fifa just voted yes that that should be a thing so the season ends like the first or second week of december preseason begins the first week of january and then you have a world cup and leagues cup in the summer and the euros it's ridiculous it's it's honestly insane yeah, the only Gold way this has a chance of working is with a radical expansion of rosters in MLS. <laughs> yeah. It's like 30, 30 players, you know, only 20 of whom are actually first team players at best. The only way, uh, like on the enough. surface, the only way that this thing works is if it's not the entirety of both leagues. Yeah. Yeah, but it but it will be, so. <laughs> <laughs> This whole thing, like, this is my problem with this, is this whole thing, to me, on the surface, sounds stupid. Like, how do you have a tournament with 40-some-odd teams, more than that? In a month? In a month, and make it fair, and make it even remotely interesting, and, like, still keep the league interesting, because now you're just going to have... No, it's ridiculous. There's no... I don't know. 2023. Yeah. We'll see what happens. But this whole thing, I wasn't really excited about the League's Cup as it stands. And now it sounds even dumber. <laughs> I'm glad there's a meaning to it. I th- thought it was worse with no meaning. Just the pride yeah. of the badge and money. Yeah, it's just the logistics of getting every single team in both leagues to play this tournament. Well, this is, is just, just like, the first step towards like, this is... We're going back. This is the MLS Liga MX merger that they've been talking about, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is... Yeah. Obviously, they're going to be like, oh, well, we can't do both the league season in MLS and a league season in Liga MX and also do this League's Cup. Gotta just so let's just get rid MLS. of your regular season yeah. and just turn this thing into... I so mean, stupid. they do let Swansea play in the British le- or in the English leagues, right? So, like, yeah, this is basically like, the same thing. Not the same. <laughs> what about if, yeah, what if like 33 MLS teams played in Liga MX? That's essentially. Ooh, and they could hand out the prize money in the Amero. That's right. That'd be great. <laughs> oh, I, love that. I, I had, had almost great. forgotten about the Amero. Yeah. What's the uh, what's the so close. mega country that's supposed to form among these three? Not NAFTA, right? No, it's like I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, it's like a weird. Uh, um, uh, Mexico, USA. What's it called? The North American Union. Oh yeah, the NAU. But yeah. the, I mean, it's part of the the actual conspiracy is called the Amero uh, conspiracy. But um, <laughs> yeah, the NAU, the North American Union. Love uh, it. All right, let's talk uh, Real Salt Lake versus Seattle. Let's wait. Should we mention San Jose real fast? 
Um, yes. <laughs> it's not on the dock. Sorry. I don't uh, think we're allowed to do that. Okay, let's let's go through it real quick. So RSL no plays. There, Trevor. It's really oh, big. you're right. I'm sorry. There we go. So RSL played San Jose last Wednesday. Um, and what leading up to that, we got the um, announcement of the lineup, which was probably the most baffling lineup we had seen ever from Real Salt Lake. Um, and so let me let me just recap what that looked like. So we were playing what appeared to be a 3-5-2, sort of. Um, we, we, it was kind of like a 3-3-2-2. Three, three, two, two. It was Toya Silva Glad on the back line. Mm. It was Miram playing left mid. We had Beasler playing like a what was essentially a stopper position, which is I guess a, a six. And then Chang is the right mid. And then we had dual cams, which were Ruznak and Menendez, I think. And then we had Krylock and Rubio as strikers, as our forwards. Um, so that that was weird um how did i wow i've almost forgotten how that game went i mean it was one of the most insane games we've had in a while Um, i feel like we probably don't need to give a huge a good solid breakdown of this game that's fine okay this is a general rule like i feel like if there's seven goals in a game you're not learning much from it so i do want you guys to look at this passing chart that i just posted Okay. okay Um, because it's really weird and it, it tells us a lot about how we played. Uh, okay. So we've got, is that Ochoa number one? Yeah. Okay. So we've got, what in the world is this? Yeah. We're going to quickly describe it. If you guys don't know what the passing chart, it's the web one, the one that has all the lines between all the players and it has like their average positions. You can find that on MLSsoccer.com under stats on the match center. Yeah, so we've got a very thin line from Ochoa to Silva, and then we have zero other lines coming from Ochoa to anybody. And we have zero lines from Silva to anybody other than Rusnak, who... Other than Albert Rusnak. Rusnak average was position was dead center, middle of the yeah. field. Um, now, notably, uh, there will be no lines if there are not at least two passes between them. So yeah, yeah okay, that's fair. Anyway, just something to know. So the only person playing. Silva passed to more than once was Rusnak. Oh, and none of the there. other people along the back line. We've got... <laughs> in front of that, we've got Glad and Beasler and Toya, who often connected with each other. And Glad is sitting pretty much on top of Chang on the right side of the field. This is like this is the most lopsided thing in the world. Menendez was very far forward, uh, despite technically supposed to be lined up deeper than Krylock, who was right next to Albert Rusnak, it appears. Yeah, Rusnak and Albert are middle circle. And then our um, dear number nine was just hanging out on the left side. <laughs> left, back Miram. Miram. left back Miram. Left back Miram. Miram and Toya are on the left side. Wow, this is fascinating. Rubio and, oh shoot, Menendez are top of the 18, we'll say. Yeah. Pretty much next to each other. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is weird. It, yeah, yeah this is the, not a normal passing chart. Like yeah. a normal passing chart, so looks better. This than This game was weird. Um, started out with uh, us giving up a goal that came from a pretty clear, like 
Donnie Donnie Toya was playing one of our he was a center back for this game and then <laughs> yeah. our left wing back oh. or whatever was Justin Miram so we it was we had three defenders um and we were kind of playing like it too so I mean it, it was uh it, we got scored on uh, it was it was pretty pretty scary oh um Eric Holt came in for Marcelo Silva also pretty early into that game yeah this I is the game that about. Silva went down with his injury yeah and then um R- Rubio Rubin scores right before halftime um with a like a deflection off his chest and we're like okay cool so then at this point at halftime Pablo takes out Menendez to put in Pablo Ruiz which was a good idea because we were essentially playing with three defenders, one defensive midfielder, and then just like the rest were attackers. And that was a little insane, very lopsided. Um, Paulo Ruiz comes in. We immediately, he immediately forces a turnover and gets the ball to Albert who scores, which was very nice. Um, so now we're up to one and then they score literally from kickoff again. So we've had two at this point, we had two goals from, kickoff and that game and the game before very nice um and then they score again from an olympico from the corner kick uh right after that to make it three two so that was great that's in the 65th minute at this point we had only made those two subs halftime sub tactical change and then holt for silva which is an injury um justin miram ends up scoring a nice goal in the 71st minute then Rubio Rubin scores a very, very nice goal in the 81st minute on an assist from Albert Rusnak. And Albert also assisted Justin Miram before that, um, which I think was from a corner, right? Yeah. It was like sort of an own goal, actually. Justin Miram's goal, that's right. Yeah. And then we said was from a set piece. Yeah. And then, then we rearranged the team and we put in Julio for Rubin, Tony for Chang, Ashton Morgan for Miram, and then we sought out the win um, and got it. So. Yeah, that was nuts. Uh, and one four three, and there were a lot of people at halftime that were very questioning of um, what was deemed to be called a collapse by some people. But uh, was we, that me? no, I probably called it a collapse. Well, I mean, it, it was. It, it looked. It was very lopsided. It was yeah, it was rough, and but we pulled out a win, which was pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, this was the only stuff that I really took away from this game that was meaningful was the Pablo sub, Pablo Ruiz sub, um, was like needed and a great sub. And it definitely did change the way RSL was playing in a very meaningful way, in a very positive way. Um, so that was good from a newish coach, um, to see that. Um, but other than that, like, I really think the only reason that we, not the only reason that we won the game, but the reason that we won the game was uh, like what Albert said um, in the post game or alluded to in the post game was basically like they couldn't lose that game. Like they went into it with the attitude of like, we're going to win, like no matter what it takes, we have to win this game. And so it it really seemed like it was just a mentality of the team. Like doesn't matter what happens. We're going to go forward and we're going to score goals. And they took the lead to one, then they gave up an equalizer, then they gave up um, a, not a winning goal, but they gave up the lead. And then they came back and scored two more goals. 
um, tied it up, and then won the game with the, the last goal. So, how did we get scored on from kickoff again? I honestly just like we're just those just are the don't worst worry about ones. Those are the worst, worst ones. Not a center back. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. He, that was a that was a mess. I never want to see that again. So, so a yeah. couple of weird things about this for me. Uh, one, San Jose went on in their next match to win against Austin four three. Oh my gosh! Uh, another seven goal game. So this is this is just San Jose in in some sense, right? This well, weird I thing. Mean, you say that, but also no, because you only they've only had like. I mean, I'm doing rough numbers here, like six or seven games this year that have had more than that had have had like four or more goals in it. Everything yeah, yeah. else is like one, one, one nil. I think that's two, higher one. than average for MLS, but um, the other, well, yeah, I mean, seven the, goals. The, is the a majority lot, right? of their games have two goals or less, I think. Huh. And, it, well, and it's also worth mentioning at this point after this game, I mean, even after the win, like the amount of goals we've given up problem under pablo mashrani has been oh, huge it's <laughs> it's insane. compared to how many we got scored on underneath uh freddie it was just yeah pretty well, like, part of it makes sense because our best player goes down for a couple games in aaron herrera and then at yep. the same time he decides to try this we all thought at the time was a really stupid three-man back line system well, he, he and trying to play a formation that was uh, like necessitated having Aaron Herrera, right? Didn't Pablo say that? Like he had planned to have Aaron for a game that he was planned to use that formation for the first time in. Yeah. And then he got sick. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he also had two days to prepare the first game. So I, I get it. But <laughs> no, he had two days to prepare the first game. And then I think it was Eric Holt said that the first time that they actually rolled out the three man back line idea, they only had two days of like preparation yeah. with that formation. Yeah. yeah. Which, um, Cool, dude. <laughs> the the weird thing for me with this is that he decided to put Donnie Toy on the back line. Like, yeah, that was. Uh, I, I just did not understand. Yeah, he he's already like a more attacking fullback than most. He's no no Andrew Brody certainly, but his focus is a little more attacking. And you see defensive lapses from him, and you had come to expect that. So I was very puzzled and and still very concerned actually that he decided to put Donnie Toy back there, but. We won, so I guess that erases a lot of it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of. But yeah, this is what I'm saying. Like trying to learn things from this game. Like, yeah. Okay, so we can go to Seattle now, where we did learn things. It, it seems so. Uh, I've learned. Yeah, so uh, we we beat Seattle. That's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Very good. Which and it was we, like the most thought would happen. The most fans we've had in the Rio Tinto for a long time. They I think Tyler mentioned um that it was the most sales the team store had done in like since like twenty seventeen or something. Yeah. So that was a very, 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 very good game to win. Yeah, it was I mean, we talked about it on the podcast. Um, like none of us expected a positive outcome from that. Yeah. Um, the thing I, so here's my first question for both of you. Um, why was Seattle so bad? Was it us or was it them? I think, and I, I don't know. I haven't watched Seattle a whole lot this year, so I don't really know what like are the key pieces in that team, but listening to Seattle fans on Twitter, um, the Atencio Leva center midfield thing, um, 
wasn't working. I again, I don't really know exactly what it was supposed to accomplish, but everybody there was talking about how poorly those two were playing and how they weren't really able to do or weren't doing what I guess they're supposed to do. Um, I mean, I imagine they're playing. I, I imagine it's not complicated. They're playing a defensive midfield position. Um, but like I said, I wasn't really paying attention to them specifically, but that's a pretty critical spot. If those two aren't gelling, like we've seen it with our team with the Everton Ruiz or the Beasler and Ruiz or, or whatever, those two, if, if they don't work, the whole thing falls apart. Yeah. So I think that was a big part of it. The other big part of it, I think was kind of what this three man back line or what three man back lines are supposed to do, which is neutralize like single strikers. Mm-hmm. Um, Rui, Rui Diaz. I'm trying to pull it up real quick. He didn't seem to get involved at all. I have no idea how many touches he had in the game. He had a bad um, game, um, but he was not involved at all. I mean, as Christian far as Roldan was, mob ratings go, he had the he was tied for lowest with Roldan. Yeah, and Christian Roldan also did not have a great game. Did not have a no. good impact on the game. And when those two guys, when you're able to neutralize those two, or when those two just don't get involved in the game, Seattle's obviously not going to be very good mm-hmm. yeah that's fair oh, I, I didn't really wait was jason oh so, so oh yeah sorry i he, he was like on the font mob has him like in the i don't know what the differentiator is but jason ramirez was listed as having a leg injury for that game huh. <laughs> so um Who knows? but they also didn't have um Let's see. Who are they playing without? Oh, uh, wow. Was did Ladero play, or is he still? He, no, he was actually, yeah, he ha- has re-injured himself, so he's out for an extended period. Yeah, and he just had surgery on that re-injury. Yeah. Um, and Seattle were they were playing with a three-man backline as well, weren't they? Yes, they were. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so we we started with three men backline again. We had Justin Holt and Tony Dadkovic, who uh, Tony had a really good game. I thought probably one of his better games he's had so far for us. I agree. Um, we had Aaron Herrera, very importantly and very notably, playing the right mid or right. It's it, his is a more of a right wing back position because he's actually a defender. Yeah, which is what um, you expect from this formation, right? Yes. Well. <laughs> In my gonna, opinion, you do, but you, gonna, I think you need to have at least one of your wing players as an actual defender. I'm going to make a point here. Um, the way that this three-five-two thing works, I don't, and again, it's still early days, so we'll see if I'm right or wrong, and I've been wrong about it so far, but the way that this three-five-two plays, Herrera's not really or the, the team, I should say, is not really playing with like a five-man back line in defense True. all the time. They do occasionally, and we saw it in this game. There were times when they're definitely five guys are defending. You've got Herrera and Miram or Herrera and whoever on the left. There's five guys in that line. But for most of the game, I don't really think that was the case. They had their three men back, and Justin or Tony would – kind of play as a right or left back like a traditional right or left back they would kind of get forward not super into the attack but they would be on the right side of the field or the left side of the field for tony and they kind of bounced that 
going forward a little bit. And what that did is it has allowed Miram to basically play a winger and it allowed Herrera to basically play as a winger yeah. through most of the game. And you get Everton um, to drop back so that you still have your cover of like two guys back with Holt. And then if we go back to defensively, then Justin and Tony, whichever one's forward, gets back very quickly. And so it's a very interesting way. I, I don't know of any team that I can think of that's really played that way. But I don't think that Herrera is really focusing on or playing a huge defensive role. I think if he's back there, obviously he's going to play defense. But I saw a lot more Aaron playing winger than Aaron playing like a wing back, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Obviously, and, I, and I think Aaron's he's an incredibly effective winger. Yeah, I think Aaron. He was pretty much playing a winger, just like Miram was almost the entire game. Yeah, and I may be wrong. I'm curious what people think about the comparisons between like the this this formation, at least the defensively. What we're talking about the other teams that do this or play with like that type of uh, player on the right and left or whatever. Um, I felt like I was watching some of ch- like Chelsea under Thomas Tuchel. Like I think they do that sort of um, because they generally have more at least one more defensive player playing uh, on the right and left. I, I don't know. If she, I don't watch every Chelsea game. If Chelsea fans who listen to this get mad at me, that's fine. Don't care. Um, but yeah, I, it, I, I did like it. And I like it a lot more when it's Aaron Herrera on the right instead of Michael Chang, because I don't think Chang is built for that type of position, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and I think I like the I like this formation. I just didn't, and I'm not sh- still convinced that we have the personnel to play it the in the best way we can. Um, I'm concerned about the back line. I don't know about Eric Holt still. Um, he has been under his belt when starting now. He did get that, yeah. And I thought, yeah, he was fine that game. He and Justin were fine. I think Tony was better, but. Um, yeah, I don't know yet also. And, um, I'm not also super sold on the Demir playing. I mean, okay. So Demir lines up as a striker, but he's like, I'm not sure. I mean, he's not a striker sort of deeper, right? He's, he's, yeah, that's where I'm kind of torn is like, I don't, is it, do we maybe just have like, would it be better to put Demir in the midfield next to Everton and maybe have, Anderson Julio next to Rubio Rubin instead, maybe. Um, I feel like that might be kind of nice. Who knows about what Bobby Wood is going to be. Um, if he's going to play that, I'm not sure. We were in this discussion about this on Twitter about like, I mean, Demir's best position, which we brought him over to be a box to box midfielder. Um, he's played that maybe a quarter of the time he's been here. If that, I think that might be pretty generous. Um, And it lately hasn't been very successful when he does. No, because we've relied on him so much in the attack that he goes too far forward and he's like caught out of position. Um, But if we have both, if we're playing a two striker formation, like when he was playing that as an eight, he was, we were playing in a four, two, three, one generally. If we're playing in a five or a three, five, two, and we already have so many more attackers in front of him, maybe he'd be less likely to get himself out of position. I don't know. But I, 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 
I don't know. I don't know that I buy the Demir at this point or really at most points throughout this season has ever been really utilized as like a defensive midfielder. I think that he's been asked to, but his primary focus has been offense. Like he's not yeah, a sure. center attacking midfielder and I don't think he's a um, a striker so much, but he's definitely an attacking player that plays in the midfield. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, he doesn't play like a number 10. He doesn't play like a number nine, uh, not traditionally, but he's just kind of a floating offensive player, like a box-to-box guy that scores a lot of goals. What was that, Matt? Yeah, I mean, they kind of call that the nine and a half, right? Where he's responsible for for attacking thrusts, uh, but at the same time sits deeper. And we like to talk about that as a false nine, but I think importantly, like, Demir is a, it isn't for me a false nine. No. He's not not dropping deep unexpectedly to drop players out of the box. Like we think about Messi and his false nine role at Barcelona as like the chief example of that and like the paragon of the of that like positional instruction. Mm-hmm. Where like they they drop deep or they float around to draw players out of position because you're man marking them because you don't have an alternative, right? But yep. with Demir Krylik, he's sitting deeper generally and making late runs into the box, which is kind of what you want an attacking midfielder to do, right? Like, yeah, that's like you said, like that's the kind of stuff. That's why I land on him being an attacking midfielder. Yeah. But he's also the tallest guy on the field. So he's the target for a lot of crosses and stuff, which kind of makes him a striker, but also not really. He's which just, is how I, we won this game, which I we haven't still think he's just a, yet. Yeah. I, I yeah. still think he's just a tall midfielder, tall attacking midfielder Yeah, w- with really good instincts for when to get into the box. Right. And that's yeah. the thing. Like he's got this preternatural understanding of when to get in there. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's yeah. a top five player of all time at Real Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, <laughs> not to dredge that up again. Well, I, it I actually slightly dredge up just because he gave this interview after the game where he was just like incredibly emotional. Like apparently his brother and his fan, his brother's family were like all at the game and Demir was just like crying and talking about how much the game, that game in particular meant to him. And I was just like, oh my, this guy. Yeah, he's, he's good. He's wonderful. Like easily top five people, right? Yeah. I don't think anyone yeah. that. Oh, weird thing that I saw people were noting on Twitter is that Freddie was not on the field for Seattle in the first half, but then was in the second half. I don't know why that is. Yeah. My understanding Does- of that was that uh, Seattle generally has one coach in kind of a bird's eye view. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was Freddie's responsibility in the first half. And then it switched in the second half. That was the responsibility of Jimmy Traore uh, prior to mm-hmm. his departure. Yeah. Gotcha. So I think there was yeah, there was some something being made of like how they were scared to face to be, the fans. Yeah, he was scared or the team was like protecting him or something, which nah. let's just continue believing that actually. I like that. Ninety five percent of fans would have no idea who he was if he if they saw him, honestly. That is maybe eighty yeah. percent. Let's go eighty percent. I've never heard of a team like or anybody like booing an assistant coach. Yeah. <laughs> And this is a weird mm-hmm. situation, but at the same time, like, we didn't boot Pablo Mastroeni when he was an assistant at Houston, right? Yeah, well, like... We should have, but... <laughs> now, yeah, like, if you shouldn't. just start booing, like, how, do, how does Pablo know that it's being directed, or who cares that it's being yeah. directed? At, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's so... It's the fury, right? I don't think that was a realistic expectation on anybody's part to boo Freddy. Like, 
I don't know. We all I don't him. like him, but booing an assistant coach is weird. I don't think anybody had any real plans to do that. Yeah, it's very petty. Um, one like other it. thing. So, Trevor, I see you posted Rui Diaz's uh, oh, dang. touch chart. I um, realized that before- I called it that. But, yeah, I wanted to point that out. Talk about, <laughs> talk about it. Touches. Um, before we talk about Rui Diaz's touches, Christian Roldan had – I think the fewest, second fewest amount of touches um, on the team. Yeah, and that's the only person with fewer was was their goalkeeper Fry. So that's what I'm talking about when I say like we didn't let Christian Roldan get into the game, or maybe he just didn't get into the game. Either way, he wasn't involved, and that's a big part. But Christian yeah. Roldan, or not Roldan, Rui Diaz. If you look at his touch spray chart, he had three shots. Two of them from basically outside the box. One of them from comfortably inside the box. Um, two of those shots were blocked. And the other one was off target. But the rest of his touches were, I mean, in the middle third for like yeah. the majority of them. He had a couple touches. Let's see, three touches inside the box. Everything else was outside. And a lot of it was deep in the midfield. Um which again just speaks to this is where I think the three five two can be very effective if they are playing with like one striker. Yeah, you all of a sudden have another center back that that person has to occupy, and that's very difficult to do. Yeah, as a striker, so just kind of muddying up that that location and forcing them to drop deeper to get involved in the play because they can't get involved in the play very much with three center backs. That's where the three-man back line, I think, worked very well against Seattle um, on the defensive side. was a neutralizing yeah, group, yes. Agreed. So here's one thing I'd like to touch on a little bit uh, is we haven't talked much about, I think, the most influential player in that match, uh, and that's Paulo Ruiz. He didn't, didn't create a goal, certainly, uh, but he was, I, I thought, really good. But I'm curious what both of you think. Yeah, I thought that was, I mean, especially because he's been uh, pretty bad this year. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily controversial. I thought that no, was like not. his best game of the season for sure. He looked the most comfortable for whatever reason. I don't know why that is. <laughs> I don't, like there was, I, I wouldn't have expected the formation to really impact him Uh that positively like i don't i don't know what the change was but i was very pleasantly surprised to see him not be bad because he's been he's had a pretty major regression year from last year just in general and uh yeah that was certainly not the case on saturday yeah i thought him and everton both yeah everton was good together were pretty good um like i said i didn't see anything like specifically that stood out either tactically or like performance wise, like he didn't like suddenly get like nine interceptions in a game or anything like that. You know what I mean? Um, But he just managed to be where he needed to be most of the time. I think if I had to credit to anything, it seemed like he wasn't really involved in getting in the attack as much. Like he did, he had a couple shots and he was up on, and you know, when we had possession, he got forward, but it didn't seem like that was, something he was focused on was getting for it seemed like he was a lot more comfortable just staying back defensively and i think part of that might have been that everton was supposed to be staying back even more so to cover for 
Tony and Justin making mm-hmm. their runs. Um, so that's the only thing I can like point to and say that I think might have been the reason. But he was just generally really good. Yeah. So I just posted his touch chart in in Slack. If you take a look at that, there's one really interesting thing for me here. And that's that there are only three touches in the final third. And otherwise, it's a very, it almost looks like a clear line mm-hmm. where the final third starts, right? Yeah. And that's, that's very unusual. Um, he usually gets more involved, gets further forward. Uh, but, but it felt like he was uh, restricted a little bit in where he was asked to be. Can you go ahead and say that's probably not the worst thing in the world for a guy who's, trying to line up a massive banging shot every game constantly and getting that one time yeah so yeah i i agree with like what trevor was saying is like he just seemed like he was less focused on getting forward and it does appear to be the case mirrored by the touch chart and uh we don't need him in attack is the thing <laughs> yeah he doesn't really provide a lot of utility in attack as much as we'd love to see him crack another one of those shots, it's like it can't be relied upon and it's not worth getting incredibly out of position to make that happen. Yeah, and that's the other thing that this 352 is doing well is, like I said, with Justin and Tony kind of doing what they do and allowing Miram, let's say, whoever's playing on the left and Chang or Herrera on the right, it allows them to be like fully in the attack. Mm-hmm. like full time and in doing that all of a sudden we've got much better attackers and a lot more of them so yeah. paulo doesn't necessarily have to be involved everton doesn't necessarily have to be involved because we've got all of our dangerous players are all forward so they are yeah. able to just simply play defensively I'd much rather play have, that kind of cleanup yeah, role absolutely. on offense rather than worry about having to be a critical part of an attacking sequence. And I'd much rather have Miram in the attack than Pablo. Yeah. So here's one more chart for you to look at. Um, Before I tell you what it is, do you have like an immediate guess as to what, what actions this is tracking? Interceptions. Um, I haven't looked at this one. I have no idea. So, so this is, uh, I hadn't noticed this until literally minutes ago. Um, but I think this is Pablo's mark on Pablo Mastroeni's mark on the game. More than the three-man backline, this feels like what he set RSL out to do. And um, this is actually a foul chart. So those orange dots are every time we have an RSL foul. Uh, we out fouled them twenty-one to six. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> uh, it's it's a little amazing we didn't end up with more than four yellow cards, given that we had uh, three players on three fouls. Like, Do we lead the league in yellow cards? I feel like we do. We might. I think we do. I was just looking at that a little bit ago. Keep talking. But, I'll look it up. But this is, um, for me, this is exactly what Pablo Mastroeni was known for at Colorado, right? Like yeah. a, t- a chippy team that would kick you out of the game was, I thought, the intention. And I think that's what we saw here. And I didn't think about it until now, which is a shame. Hey, but you did. I did eventually get there. Not too late. Yeah, that's pretty wild, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that that screams intention, right? Yeah. Every player except David Ochoa has at least one foul. Yeah, Glad with three. (laughs) Both of our midfielders each had three. Crylock with two. 
everyone's got one. Glad's got three. Dakovich with two. And then Seattle, I mean, Sissoko had four of their fouls and then they only had two other ones. (laughs) Yeah. And and he got a yellow card, you know, at the half. So, yeah. Man. Yeah. yeah, Seattle only committed one foul in the second half. So Sissoko's four all came in the first half. We like that we're that team now. I don't have a problem with that at all. I mean, personally, I like a team that is able to foul and be smart about it. The thing that I'm looking for with this foul chart is how many of those are in dangerous positions. And really, I mean, four or three, right? Yeah. Like four, if if you're being pretty generous, are in kind of dangerous positions. The rest of them are all middle third and defensive third. Yeah, you know what I mean? like mm-hmm. there's not very many that are close. Yeah, to our to the goal I mean, we're defending. The vast majority are in the midfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those are those are fine fouls. And as long as you're smart about it, and as long as you have a ref that's not giving a yellow card every other foul, like yeah, for sure. Like that's a great way to break up momentum, to frustrate the other team, to you know keep them from keep keeping the ball out of dangerous positions because they can't make the passes they're trying to make that kind of stuff it's great i love a team that can foul and foul smartly if that's one thing that pablo brings to this team i'm fine with that yeah yeah i'm curious uh who was fouled the most i don't see an easy way to see that data though unfortunately like on the team uh on which one of their players were fouled? yeah which seattle player was fouled the most oh i see okay like what did we try a rotational fouling there and we might have, right? Like, I might have noticed. Yeah. Hack a roll down. I thought I most know. of our fouls, just thinking about it back from watching the game, I thought most of our fouls were, to be honest, a lot of them were kind of soft, but a lot of them were also like not intentional, but I mean, not intentional against like a specific player, yeah. but intentional against like the team, the position, like, and the, the it was, area of the ball to break up transitions it was to break up passes it was to slow the game down and like i said all that stuff i know it kind of sometimes creates for bad bad soccer situations but if it wins you games it wins you games you know yeah. what i mean yeah and i don't know uh, how do, much of this game was down to that but sorry trevor go on i was just gonna say i've got an answer on the discipline i don't have fouls total but we've got the most cards of any team in the league we have we 62 go. yellow cards and one red card. FC Dallas is in second with 62 yellows and zero reds. Um, there are a couple teams with four and five red cards, but they have considerably fewer yellow cards. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm glad we... Uh, I mean, we've had a lot of guys... I mean, I, I, like we felt the absences. I feel like it's pretty notable how many... It, uh, yellow card accumulation suspensions we've had like you can it seems like we've had more than normal yeah which are not great but a couple players that are close to it again who's again who's close again oh i think we looked at it. albert i think is two away one away he might be one away i think everton is one or two away i really hate yellow card accumulation yeah last time was, we had three uh, players who were two away maybe up to four or five now yeah it's wild um, one other thing I wanted to point out after this, uh, not specifically about the game, but about Pablo Mastroeni's time in charge. I've been uh, not roundly critical, um, I, ho- I hope, but uh, certainly I don't share some of the vigor that 
a lot of people are feeling around Pablo right now. Mm -hmm. um, but I think credit where it's due, um, our form is actually better than it's been. Yeah. Uh, so I included a couple of points in the document. Um, it's the first time we've had nine points from four games all season, which is pretty good. Um, not not amazing. Uh, New England, for example, has four times the season hit 12 points in a four-game screen, so maximum yeah. points, which is wild. Um, but yeah, it's the first time we've hit nine all season. Um, and if you look at a five-game rolling with a maximum of 15, second time we've hit nine out of 15. So it, it's certainly good, and it's better than it's been, I think, most of the season. But uh, I do think it's early days yet with Pablo, and it'll be fascinating to see how it plays out. And I think that's the most important thing to remember right now is that, like, the three of us were talking about, like, you know, how long it took for Freddie to get the full time job. And it wasn't until it wasn't announced until beginning of December after he took over in August. Right. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I mean, there's there seems to be a big hurry right now for some reason. And I don't know why that is. We were seeing articles written about uh, the, how it's been narrowed down to two people. I, I do like, want to point out there that it hasn't, uh, that article, I think the headline was wrong. Okay, sorry. Uh, the headline indicated that it was narrowed down to two people. Yeah. It, it doesn't, by all accounts, it doesn't actually appear to be the case, but there it does seem to be a type it, of pressure being applied both by fans and other media about like, you know, ramping this thing up. And I don't know. I don't, I don't understand the hurry. I, it, I mean, Pablo Mascheroni is not going anywhere. I think we should definitely do our due diligence. And then, of course, there's going to be a lot of hesitation on my part, probably our parts of just going again with the easy internal hire, which is always the easiest decision and usually the cheapest decision. And maybe some maybe could be the right decision. I have no idea. But well, it hasn't been the right decision the last three times two times right three times. Times. yeah yeah and uh, but i mean to be fair this is the first time we've actually had the interim coach take over and actually make some changes to how the team was playing formation wise which yeah. is interesting um I, I everyone else before has just kind of continued i think one thought i had there is i do think that i've, I've often blamed Deloitte hansen for the way rsl played not in terms of like he's the reason we don't pass as much, but I think he did mandate a four three three, and we built our roster around that. I remember in twenty fourteen, he said, "Oh, next season we're going to play a four three three. I remember that. That was really weird. Yeah, very strange. And I think we we tried to like craft around that. So credit to Pablo for breaking out of that. I wonder if Deloy was around, if we would have been able to do that. But that's really neither here nor there. I, I it's rank speculation. Yeah. Yeah. So it might be the right decision. I don't know, but I, I don't know. I'm very hesitant about Pablo still. And I think it's, I mean, the season's, the, the season's been super weird. The last few games have been really weird. I think, again, people just need to pump the brakes. There's no reason to hurry and be like, he's our guy right now after five games or whatever it's been. Um, so speaking yeah. of being in a hurry, one thing that did emerge from, is it Jeff Reuter and uh, Sam Stasekel at The Athletic, 
uh, this week. Um, and this is sort of moving into uh, later sections of the document, but uh, it does sound like the club is looking to have an uh, hire in place uh, soon. Yeah. Uh, Ruder, sorry, I'm mispronouncing his name. Um, and I'm, I'm looking for this specific tweet about it. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Um, but there's a period, maybe it was Sam that tweeted it, um, but there's a, a period where of like 12 days between games for us at one point in October, like October 2nd to 16th or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of pinpointed like, this is the time when we or might expect happen. an announcement, which is really interesting. It, so it feels like there's a, not a rush, but like a desire to get it wrapped up quickly at the club. And I yeah. think it's very interesting. The, which honestly... The sooner it is, the more, the less likely I feel like it's going to be Pablo Mastroeni kind of like, or that might be backwards. I have no idea, but I, it seems like, I don't know if they're going to go with Pablo, why not wait to the end? But yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's a confusing thing. Cause it's really, um, <clears throat> we have a conversation with like Ian was talking about this. It's like, you're either hiring for what someone could do or what someone in this case, Pablo has been doing and it's hard to weigh the potential of something against what you're currently saying. So, um, and hard to know if that's the right decision. I'm glad I don't have to pick, but I, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's interesting. This is is the weird part for me. Yeah. If you hire Pablo, like, Cool, great. He gets to keep doing what he's doing, change of formation. In the offseason, you change up your roster, you get a couple more center backs, maybe, you know, swap out a couple players to that more better fit this 352 that he wants to have. Like obviously, mm-hmm. we've seen what happens. Now that Silva's injured, like we're down to our last second to last center back is on the field. So if one of them gets injured, like we're putting Toya back there again. <laughs> You know what I mean? Or Ashton Morgan, who hasn't played center back for us this year, has done it in the past. But like, that's where we're at with this. So if you're going to play this system, like that's fine. And we talked about this when we talked about a three, five, two, like months ago, as like a possibility when fans were asking for it, that's fine. But you got to have center backs and we don't have center backs. So like if you hire Pablo, great, go do that. Go get two or three more center backs this off season, build a team around that kind of formation. And that'd be awesome. But now, let's say Pablo succeeds for two or three more games. We get two or three more wins. We're playing really well. And then you announce that Pat Noonan is the coach. Yeah. Just put a name out there. Call it Donovan or whoever you want. Somebody else gets hired as the coach. And then all of a sudden, that guy's like, no, I like a four-man back line. We're going to play with that again. <laughs> yeah. Like, And yeah. how do you stop that guy from doing that? Like, it, I feel like if Pablo is successful, hiring another guy right after or in a very – very quickly is it kind of hamstrings him because there's this expectation that well we're succeeding with this so let's keep doing this but what if he doesn't want to do that yeah what if he was hired to do something else and all of a sudden his something else costs us a playoff spot this year because all of a sudden we're adjusting to this new thing that he wants to do you know what i mean like yeah again the third formation in the year like i can't imagine a formation that somebody would want to bring in that would be so drastically different that our players can't adjust to it mm-hmm. at least a little bit. But if you hire some outside guy very soon 
yeah, very soon from now. And while Pablo is generally succeeding, I think it kind of hamstrings that guy a little bit, at least for this season. Yeah. So that's, that's a part of it that, again, I don't understand the ins and outs of hiring coaches, but that's my question is what happens if you hire some new guy now? And Pablo, is he still on the staff if you hire somebody? Does he just go back to being an assistant coach? <laughs> yeah. And he just has to sit there while the new guy's like, no, we're playing a four-man back line. Mm-hmm. And he has to just go back to being like, okay, you're the boss now. Like, how does the whole dynamics of hiring somebody else is weird. But also, can we please not hire Pablo? Because then it's just a continuation of the same thing. We all have the same problems <laughs> with hiring somebody from within after yeah. like a little bit of success as an assistant or as the new coach. Yeah. After being an assistant. Not, let us not forget that Freddie Juarez had a pretty good end of the season after Mike Pecky was fired. Yeah. And Mike Pecky had a pretty good beginning of the season after <laughs> Jeff Kassar was fired. Like <laughs> every yeah. new yeah. coach, the last several new coaches that we've had have come in and succeeded for a little bit. And we've all been really excited. The new coach and then it was terribly real. for a while. Yeah. Um, Speaking of the coronation of Pablo and uh, the public opinion of him, one of the things that I've been a little puzzled by is there's a lot of talk about like how great the like the guys are performing now, how motivated they are. And the thing we heard when he was hired was he's the locker room guy. He's going to motivate everybody. He's going to unify everybody as an assistant coach. Like, I mean, maybe, maybe there were <laughs> mitigating factors there, but I, I think yeah. the bigger thing is probably just that Freddie Juarez walked out on this team and they were hyper motivated, and maybe they'll stay hyper motivated through the end of the season and prove them wrong. Yeah. But like Pablo is not new to this team, and yeah. if we're only seeing his effects when he's like the full head coach, like what does that what does that say about him, or what does that say about the team? And I, I think it it adds enough confusion for me that it really just makes me scratch my head. Yeah, the whole locker room guy stuff and suddenly being able to motivate people now that he's in charge. Like, he was at Houston for a few years and they kind of stunk. Yeah. So, like, I don't, I mean, I'm sure that it, I'm not saying it's not true that he's not a good locker room guy, but I'm not sure the value of locker room guy, what that value is when he was with the team for several years that never really seemed to get it together on the field. You know what name we should add to our list? Lucha Gonzalez, former FC Dallas oh. coach who was just fired. Maybe that should have been in news. Interesting I mean, yeah. cross conference. It would be talk about Lucci for just a second. I would very much like to hire him and put him in charge of our academy. Oh yeah, yeah, that'd be sweet. I mean, he came from FC Dallas's academy. Got to be pretty good I've at heard it. They've produced a couple, couple young lads. Yeah. Yeah. No, the firing of Lucci was, I mean, again, to go off topic again, that was ridiculous. But that's Dallas right now, I think. Yeah. <laughs> They've had really bad results. But yeah, I mean. Yeah, but they're. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if Lucci's a professional head coach, but I feel like they didn't support him in any way. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They're enough. paying a lot of players a lot of money that yeah. suck. That are just that bad players. True. Yeah. And they, they lost to us. So. Yeah. Real market shame there. Anyway. So, yeah. Um, oh, well, yeah. So, what I'm, else? I'm with you, Kyle. I don't know exactly what the big rush is. Uh, I understand that the team wants to operate as a team rather than like operating under like the 
constrictions of possibly getting a new owner soon. Yeah. And they just want to get going. And from that angle, like, yeah, good. Go get a go get a coach. You just had your yeah. coach quit. Go get somebody. It's before that can preseason, be coach. right? Like that's. I mean, that's like the big thing. Is like, oh, like yeah, at, at heard least before that they need the a full preseason. Season, get a new coach mm-hmm. and a new plan and all that stuff. But yeah, I don't know about this whole let Pablo take over and then Pablo kind of succeeds and then you're yeah. still in a hurry to hire somebody else. Yeah. And then somebody else that you're hiring isn't like a well-known, well-established, yeah, like winning coach. Yeah, exactly. So I wonder if part of the motivation comes from other teams firing their head coaches and wanting to make sure that your top candidate uh, is Doesn't available to you. Go to the Dallas job? It's probably that, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Just something to, uh, a mitigating factor yeah, but, at least. Yeah, but again, like if your top candidate is, again, just throw out a couple names that we've heard, Pat Noonan. Like, what's the worst case scenario to losing him to Dallas? If Dallas hires Pat Noonan, like you're not sunk. I don't know his name. Maybe. Is Pat what if he takes again. over and then they win MLS Cup? It's like, wow. Yeah, well, then that's it's, he's never been a head coach in MLS. Like, good for him if that happens. But you don't get to like hire Pat Noonan because he's, because he's going to win MLS Cup. You hire Pat Noonan because he comes in, he interviews well, and you believe in giving a new face a new chance that they haven't had before. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's not a target that we've gone after that I think is like, if we lose him, we're sunk. We have to go to the next lower tier of candidates and go to plan B. Like these guys, no disrespect are all plan B guys. Yeah, that's There's sort of really the fair. realm we operate in. We just don't yeah, have to go to plan C. That's the thing that frustrates me to no end about this team is we're never like going for like a Miguel Herrera type or any name, big name, good coach. We're always looking for like somebody's assistant or somebody's somebody else that maybe one of our assistants that like. There is always like that thing we hear around this like discussion is that like coaches from other leagues don't know how to win an MLS. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I mean, I maybe, but several coaches have come in and have done very well in MLS from mm, yeah. other places. Yeah. It's a more recent thing, right? Yeah. 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 I just always like that. That yeah. point always makes me laugh. It's like, oh, it's not even worth looking elsewhere because. You have to have spent time in MLS to know how to win in MLS. It's like, that might be true. I don't know. But it comes up every single time. I don't know. Caleb Porter's won two MLS Cups, and he's only been coaching the league for like four or five years. That's right. It's Pat like he, came, future. he came from out of the league and all of a sudden won an MLS Cup. Like, yeah. There are good coaches that are not MLS coaches or MLS assistant coaches. Yeah. We could have Caleb Porter, like a Caleb Porter hire goes against what I'm talking about, but like that's an example of like somebody coming from not the MLS old boys club. Kyle Beckerman winning. Yeah, does UVU want to give up their head coach and we just get we get a head coaching uh, triforce of Mick Ramondo, Javier Morales, and Kyle Beckerman? That'd be great. We cannot. 
hire Kyle Beckerman <laughs> as our head coach right now. I'm He's coached kidding. like four I'm games, if that, I'm maybe. Definitely Trevor, they've been playing He's the down. diamond, so, you know. Have they, have they really? Yeah, they've been playing the diamond. That's the story, is that they're playing a diamond midfield. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Like, how Kyle Beckerman can he get? That's extremely. Like, yeah. Good for I them. Who, I wonder who he sees it himself in i bet there's someone on that team where he's just like who's ever <laughs> playing that number six man imagine having to play the number six under head coach kyle beckerman in a diamond formation It'd be amazing that would suck i did watch one of his games and i realized that college soccer kind of sucks it's yeah bad. kind of a lot i went to a yeah. game like several years ago and yeah it wasn't great maybe during our uh, international break we should try to go to a uvu game Let's pull up the UVU schedule real quick. All right. 2021. That's the year, in case you were curious. UVU soccer, I'm using an ad blocker. No one does anymore. Yeah, it's very annoying. Oh, my God. Ad blocker schedule. Schedule. Oh, that's all on ESPN+. Plus. This is a very... Yeah, they've got uh, three home games website. from October 7th to 16th. So, Are they all on Friday or Saturday nights? There's two on Saturday. There's one on Friday. Oh, wait, no. Thursday, Saturday, Saturday. I can't read. Well, let's go to one of them or all two right, of them. Let's do it. Maybe all three if we go to the first one and have a really good time. Sounds great. All I right. love it. Anything else uh, on your mind, <sighs> gentlemen? We can go to... Oh, no, they already played that game. Never mind. Trevor, anything on your mind? Um, what the might heck be dinner is time this? If not, they are playing dinner time. on October 3rd. UVU is playing a team called the Incarnate Word. Yeah, it's a Christian <laughs> university. Yeah. I think that, are they Catholic? Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> all those Christian Christian schools have the most insane names, Trevor. They always like San Antonio, Texas. I've the, the, holy, the holy mother's blood of a christened son elementary school. <laughs> and they do or, play Grand Canyon University and California Baptist. Yeah. And Houston yeah. Baptist. Holy cow. Are they in the <laughs> Well, they do have an an accent on the E in San Jose. Uh, which I don't think the city of San Jose, California does. That does not. Amazing. You know what's funny is how our like the average college soccer team in the United States travels like a hundred times f- farther than any like European football club. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just like they go their normal conference plays like a team in England and having to go to Besiktas in, Tur- in Turkey or something. It's so funny. Yeah. What a weird, what a weird country we live in. It's way too big. We need to consolidate. Let's make it a little bit smaller. Yeah. Can we Start just chop up some land? Uh, we can give up like 80% of Utah and we would lose nothing. I know. There's Nevada, a lot of stuff. It's like eight, 95%. Also no one, true. No one needs Nevada. Do we need to sublime sand? Let's just squish it's got it. some good. I mean, we need Nevada. For, parts I mean, of it's, it? it's got... Lake Tahoe, which is great. It's but it's got half of Lake Tahoe, which could just be given to California if we, we squish Nevada. Keep the north and the south part of the state. The rest can just collapse into one one mile. There's a line. lot of nothing going on in the middle. But I don't know how terraforming works, but I'm all in. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. 
when you said we should make the country smaller, I was thinking like easier to reach long distance places. So I was thinking yeah. of like the the national train system. Oh yeah, that'd be great. We should do that. Yeah. I wish we had that. We could go to away games all the time, work on the train. High speed uh, train. That's the yeah. one. Yeah. I wish we had high speed rail here. What I if we train. all got in cars and tunnels and the car was just moved along in the tunnel <laughs> and we had to still sit in a car? And then somebody lights a fire. <laughs> and well, and well, everybody dies immediately. Every passenger has yeah. a flamethrower as well because that was part of the buying the car. <laughs> yeah. What a weird country we live in. You're right. It's it's pretty 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 what funny. Dumb country in many respects. <sighs> All right, on that it's... note, uh, thanks for listening to <laughs> Off the Crossbar. This has been episode Nintendo sixty four. That's right. Proudly Good night. coming to you with many polygons. I love polygons. <laughs> Good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs>